So this word redemption is something that we don't use or hear often in our society today. Um, now, we talk about redeeming, and some of you may be couponers, or I know uh, a long time ago that was popular. I don't know if it is today, but, um, you know, when you have coupons, you redeem them, and it saves you a few bucks on whatever you're buying. Um, but, you know, redemption of coupons doesn't hold a candle. Uh, it's very pale to the compa uh, comparison of the biblical word of redemption or redeeming. Uh, today, in a contemporary sense, uh, we see that this word is uh, played out in the case of ransomware. So someone comes uh, through the portal of your computer or laptop or phone, and they put uh, malicious software on your computer and hold your operating system hostage and you have no control. So then you get a message. If you want your software back, which by the way you own, if you want it back, then we want a payment. And so in essence, you have to buy back your software, or in other words, you have to redeem it back. In the biblical sense, most of us understand what it means when it comes to redemption. It involves that uh, deliverance of someone or something being ransomed, being paid for. And in Scripture, we see both of these things happening. You say, well, I was thinking about, biblically, it's only a person that is redeemed, but in essence, in Scripture, we actually see two things often redeemed. One is land, and one is a person. And in our Scriptures today, we're actually going to see both of those in play. So today, we are finishing this section of Ruth before next week we move into 1 Samuel. And we'll spend four weeks in uh, 1 Samuel and... Um, the first part of those first uh, two chapters is where we'll kind of plant for the next four weeks as we continue looking at living well in a broken world. Uh, so far in Ruth, we have talked about letting go with a blessing that uh, sometimes we just have to let go and bless those that we are letting go or those things in our life we are letting go for us to be able to live well in a broken world. Uh, we talked about walking in loyalty. We saw that Naomi and Ruth in that, that togetherness walked in loyalty, and, and Ruth was loyal to Naomi, and how we are to walk together in loyalty with one another. Then we talked about acknowledging, acknowledgement brings about healing, and that we actually have to acknowledge our sinful ways. We have to acknowledge what's going on in our life for that healing to begin, because if we bury our head in the sand, it's just not going to happen. And so acknowledgement begins the healing. And then we talked about fields of grace, how we are to offer fields of grace, grace in the world to others. And as I mentioned, it doesn't mean that you condone sin or a lifestyle of sin, but it means that you offer grace 
to those that God has placed in your life, around you, because God has offered you that same grace. And then, week before last, uh, Ken was here last week preaching, but the last sermon in this series that I preached was acknowledging God's provision through praise. And that God is, God is provider, and God provides for us in so many wonderful ways. And that he is due our praise. He is due for us to lift him up for his provision in our life. And we saw that through the text in the second chapter. And, and so now we're coming to this end of Ruth. And as I was thinking about and preparing for the sermon today, I was thinking about chapter 3 and chapter 4 and how I might do this. And uh, we could have spent probably the rest of the year going through this verse by verse. So what I decided, and, uh, and I believe it's the right thing, I think the Holy Spirit is, is leading that way, I, I believe that, is choosing some verses that I'm going to lift up with you, selected verses out of 3 and 4. And we're going to look at this story because chapter 3 and 4 work together. They work together in this book of Ruth. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, turn to chapter 3. I'll be reading three verses there. I'll let you know what they are. And then I'm going to read six verses from chapter 4. And then we will talk about this story and what it has to do with redemption. Sermon title today is Living Well in a Broken World Through Redemption. So may the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. The first verse of chapter 3 reads, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that, you may, that it may be well with you? And then skip over to verse 12 and verse 13. Now it is true, I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. This is Boaz talking. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you. Good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. Jump to chapter 4, first three verses. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down, and behold, the close relative whom Boaz spoke of was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down. And he turned aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece, piece of land which belongs to our brother Elimelech. Jump to 13 through 15. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and, she, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And then the woman said 
to Naomi, the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, whom you love, and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. This morning, I want to look at five individuals in the story. And um, I think as we go along, you will see where I'm going. And uh, it, it centers around this theme of redemption. And so first, I want to look at Naomi. Naomi, of course, is Ruth's, Ruth's mother-in-law, and she is on the move. This is an interesting story as it unfolds. And so she has a plan, and she shares with Ruth what her plan is. Naomi is no longer bitter because she is going to find satisfaction through this these events that take place. And so as we get to the kind of the end of the story as we have it in the book of Ruth, we will actually see that the women, as I read, praise her, bless her. She has been satisfied by redemption. And so Naomi gives Ruth instructions. Those instructions were wash yourself, prepare yourself, go to Boaz, and he is going to rest for the night. And so she gives him instructions, and she goes and she finds that Boaz is laying down for the night on the threshing floor. He has covered himself in a blanket, and she uncovers Boaz's feet and lays down at his feet. And he wakes up. I will tell you, if I am under a blanket and you uncover my feet, and you lay at my feet, I too will wake up. I won't promise you that I will be as graceful as Boaz. But he was very graceful. In fact, when he said, who is it? And she said, Ruth, he was not only surprised, he was taken by and pleased that this was Ruth. He was actually feeling blessed that Ruth had come into his presence that evening. And so, as you read the story, and I encourage you to read all of chapter 3 and chapter 4, uh, just to, to hear the story through Scripture, and, you know, other than the, me recanting this in some way this morning, uh, just read it for yourself. But she laid down, there was no intimate uh, behavior here going on that night, uh, but Boaz makes a promise to her. And, and Boaz is going to carry out this promise to her. And he's going to execute his plan the next day. And so in chapter 3, we see that Ruth, Ruth goes back uh, the next morning to Naomi. And she tells Naomi all that has taken place. And if you look at verse 18, it says, Oh, my daughter, wait and watch until this matter is settled 
For Boaz is not going to rest until this has been settled today. This is what Naomi is sharing with Ruth. Naomi is looking at Ruth's redemption. She's also looking at her redemption. She is looking at what Boaz is going to carry out. And if you remember in verse 1 of chapter 3, Naomi says, Shouldn't I seek security for you so that it is well with you? And so Naomi has the best intentions for her daughter-in-law, the best for Ruth. She wants it well with her, even in this broken world in which they live. And as she watches this unfold, she begins to experience joy. She begins to experience satisfaction. She begins to see what God is doing through Boaz for Ruth and for her. In fact, at the end of the story, as we know it in Ruth, she is holding a baby. A baby that's going to be the line to the Messiah. She is blessed. I wonder sometimes as we watch God's unfolding plan in our life, are we satisfied with the process? Or do we think, I've got a better idea, God. I think I know how to fix this. Naomi was satisfied with the process because she believed that God was in this. God was working through the redemption. She knew who Boaz was. She trusted Boaz. But more than that, she trusted God for the satisfaction of the redemption that would be carried out before her. Jesus told us, as recorded in John 16, 33, um, by the way, kids, this is the verse I told you that you would hear this morning that you had to look up this weekend. Jesus said that in this world there would be tribulation, trials. In other words, we're going to face these things. He said, but be of good cheer. Uh, it's not just be happy. Be of good cheer. Be satisfied with what I'm going to do for you. Have courage because I have overcome the world. This is our Savior. This is our Redeemer who has overcome the world. He has faced what we would face. And he tells us, through redemption, my redemption that I'm going to give you, be satisfied, be joyful, because this world is broken. And I have conquered the world for you. Somebody should have said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So Naomi is satisfied knowing that God is working through all that's taking place before her. Boaz is the next one of these that I want to look at. And I listed several as we go through this kind of traits as we see in this story of Boaz because the first trait that we see is that he's proactive. He, he initiated the plan. He had a plan to redeem Naomi and to redeem Ruth. And so the next day, he goes to the city gate where all the business of the city is going to be taking place normally as the elders might gather there to make decisions. And lo and behold, how about 
God brings the closest relative that he had been speaking to her on the night before. Uh, he just happens to come by. Think it was a happenstance? I don't think so. I think he's coming by, and Boaz is ready for him and says, Hey, dude, you want to turn aside and come sit down with me here at the gate? And he sits down with Boaz. And lo and behold, there are ten elders from the church just happen to be coming by the city gate together. And Boaz looks at them and says, hey guys, got something going on here. Would you mind coming over? I want you to be a witness to this conversation. Because you see, the city elders were more than just ones that had authority. They also had spiritual authority. And so if anything that Boaz said to the relative or in front of them that was out of sorts in any way, if it was against what the, the law or the tradition would be, they would have called him out on it. They would have had duty and authority to call him out. And so Boaz has a plan. He is executing this plan. He is proactive in this. And he does not want Naomi or Ruth to have to wait. You remember what Naomi said? Oh, he's going to take care of this before this day's out. She had faith in Boaz. I think so often, um, and some of you say, I'm not, and, and you, maybe you're not, but Americans today are pretty, um, they procrastinate. They uh, wait on things. Um, I can do that next week. Uh, I can do that next month. I can do that next year. I'll just wait on how I need to take care of these things that are before me. And so we put off a lot. And unfortunately, one of the things that many people put off is a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, you heard Ken mention last week these uh, 11th hour uh, conversions, which are absolutely great and valid, and the, the unfortunate thing is, is that they have missed the joy of the salvation. They have missed the peace that comes with salvation in the Lord all of their life, even up to the point of conversion, and, and now they are in the family of God. And so, Procrastination is not something, as the Lord calls us, that we are to wait for. We're to be proactive. We are to listen to what God has to say when God is coming to us, bringing redemption. The second characteristic that Boaz has is not only that he is proactive, but he is open and transparent. He is open and transparent. Sin loves darkness. Sin loves to hide, not be in the open, and we are reminded of that through Scripture. Uh, Boaz was not going to hide what was going on. He was very open and transparent. Everyone there that had gathered around, even if others were there, I wonder what's going on. Boaz has stopped him, and he stopped the elders, and he's having a conversation. Maybe others had gathered around the gate to see what was going on. It didn't bother him. He didn't care. He was going to present his case before the elders of the city and let them know that he was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, not what was right in the eyes of the world. And as you remember, as we started 
this series in Ruth, the first verse says, the judges were in place and everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Not Boaz. He was submissive. He was humble. He was open and transparent. We can't hide our sin from God. 1 John, the first chapter, beginning with verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him, that's a capital H, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so you get it, right? You, you can't hide your sin from God. We have to be open and transparent. We have to be uh, in fellowship with God. And when we say, oh, I don't sin or uh, I'm going to hide this and no one will know, well, we need to just fall to our knees and confess our sin before God because God is truth. He is light. And he desires for us to walk in his light at all times. Boaz was also clear and respectful. He is trying to bring about this redemption for Naomi and for Ruth. And he's not wasting any time. Uh, he's not going and watching any World Cup matches. Um, he's, he's not turning on the TV to watch a presidential debate. He is actually... He is actually engaged. He is clear and respectful in what is taking place before him. And so he, in this broken world, wants to make sure that he's doing it right. And when we live for Christ, Christ calls us to do it right, or you could put that into the biblical sense, to do it righteously. We are to live righteously before our God and Savior, clear and respectful to our Redeemer. And then Boaz, his, his final and probably most wonderful trait that we see as this story unfolds is that he is a selfless Redeemer. He is the second in line when it comes to Naomi. There is one that is first in line According to the law, this is how he is going to have to address this. He's going to have to look at this biblical law that's before him. And so this closest relative, this first in line, Boaz knows who it is. He is a close relative of Elimelech, and he calls him over, and he says, Hey, Naomi's come back from Moab, and... She has to be redeemed. This, this property has to be bought for her. The, the property had been sold, and now it needs to be redeemed back for her, which is very scriptural as far as the Old Testament and tradition was concerned. And so he says, will you redeem it? You're the, you're the closest relative. Will you redeem it? Oh, sure. Have no problem with redeeming the land for her. Well, that's good. Oh, and by the way, the, the Mo, 
Moabite woman that came. Her name's Ruth. She came back with Naomi, and she was married to the son of Elimelech, and, and so she's got to be redeemed too. And so if you redeem the land, you also have to redeem Ruth with the land, and so she will become part of your family. She'll become uh, your wife, and he says, whoa, wait a minute. Uh-uh. Nah, that's not going to work. Yeah, I've got a bunch of my family. I've got people that, that I really want to pass things to, and, and, and my inheritance needs to go to my kids and what I've planned. And, and so, no, I'm just going to back away from this. Uh, I'm not going to redeem her. I'll just step away. And the text tell, tells us that Boaz was humble enough. Boaz was gracious enough. I'll redeem Naomi. I'll redeem the land. In fact, I'll redeem Ruth. And I will take her as my wife. An interesting thing happened. So the unnamed relative takes off one of his sandals and hands it to Boaz. Let me tell you again, if we're making a deal, don't you take your shoe off and hand it to me. Just stick out your hand. I am not going to take your shoe. I promise you. But here is a tradition that taking off the sandal, uh, handing this sandal to Boaz was a symbol before all of the elders that the deal was consummated. The deal was done. Can you think anywhere else in Scripture where we see that sandals come into play? One of them is the burning bush. And so Moses was before God, and God is speaking to him through the burning bush, and you take off your sandals, dude. You're standing on holy ground. This relationship that begins with God and Moses you remember the other place in the New Testament? John the Baptist says, look, there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. If you're untying your sandals, you're taking them off. And Jesus made a contract with God to come and redeem us. And he did. Man, how good God is. This parallel between Boaz and between Christ is, is just a wonderful in this story. And I'm going to go through this quickly just to, you know, as, as we go through it, I'm not going to belabor it, but I want to show you just a few things in the story this morning, these parallels between Boaz and this beautiful picture of what he is doing and what Christ has done for us. So Boaz, the selfless redeemer. First, there's only one redeemer. They could not both redeem Naomi and Ruth, the unnamed person and Boaz. Only one of them could redeem these two women. Jesus is the only one qualified to redeem us. No one else can do it. He is the only one who saves. 
Next, redemption is an act of grace. Boaz was not required to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Uh, it was up to that nearest relative. He could if the guy didn't, and he did, but he didn't have to. He could have rejected that. But he chose to redeem them. And you look at Jesus and his sacrifice that he left heaven, came to earth. He chose to redeem me, to redeem you. Next, redemption is public. Boaz redeemed Naomi and Ruth publicly in the sight of all. Yes, I will buy the land which redeem, redeems Naomi. I will take Ruth as my wife, redeeming her. He did it in public before all that were there. Jesus redeemed us publicly on the cross. His crucifixion was a public event. Everyone could see it. Jesus the Redeemer. Redemption is an act of love. Boaz clearly has developed a love for Ruth, a love for Naomi. He cares for her. He wants what's best for her. Even though she is a Moabite, even though she is a foreigner, even though he did not have to redeem her and love her, and he could have walked away from this situation, but as an act of love, he chose to redeem her, and he did. Jesus, too, as an act of love, redeemed us as sinners, both Jew and Gentile. Thank you, Jesus. He has redeemed us as an act of love. Redemption comes with a price, and we know this, the re Redeemer must give something up to redeem. Money was required to purchase a field, but also giving up one's rights. This is why the relative, the closest relative, was not willing to do this to redeem because he had his own plan of inheritance of how he, that would go. Boaz was willing to pay the price. Whatever it took, he was willing to pay. And folks, Jesus was willing to pay the price far greater for us. He gave his own blood. He died for us so that we could be redeemed. Redemption is priceless. You say, whoa, wait a minute. Marty, you just said redemption comes with a price. Redemption also is priceless, and here's why. Redemption can't be paid for by me, the one being redeemed. So for me, it's priceless. To the Redeemer, it costs something, but for me, it is priceless. I didn't deserve it. I can't earn it. There is nothing I can do for it. Boaz redeemed, priceless to Ruth. And Naomi, for Christ, his redemption for us is priceless. You cannot put a price tag on what he has done. 
two more. Redemption is irreversible. At the end of this passage, we will see that, you know, um, in this uh, dialogue, this conversation, uh, the man, again, removes his sandal, and uh, he makes this deal with Boaz, and it is hard and fast. Once this deal is made before witnesses, it's irreversible. And so Boaz has made that commitment. He has made the deal. There is no going back once this has taken place. The decision was final. Once Jesus saves us, when we are his, brought into his family, it's done. There's no going back. There's nothing in all of this world that can snatch you out of God's hands. It's a final decision. God has made it. And we belong to him. Thanks be to God. Last one, redemption must be accepted. You see, Boaz was willing to, to do this, and this was absolutely going to be uh, accepted by Ruth, but Ruth had to acknowledge, Naomi had to acknowledge what was taking place. And so they did, and they both were redeemed. And when it comes to Jesus and his redemption for us, he pray, pays the price, he does all of the work. But the scriptures tell us that we have to, we have to confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord over what? Us, our life. And so that's our part in the salvation piece that when God calls us to himself and he's the one that saves and calls and all that he calls are going to be saved. But our part in this is to acknowledge the work of the cross to acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ as Redeemer. What is the result for Boaz? Boaz receives a great blessing. All the people who have witnessed this is blessing him. The people are blessing Naomi. The women of, uh, of the town are blessing Naomi and Ruth. And we know from the story that even just a few verses I read that Ruth becomes pregnant and Boaz is the great-grandfather of King David. You wonder as Naomi and Ruth were to hold Obed, they had any inclination of what God was doing, probably not. But not only King David, David, but Jesus himself would come from this line. Think about, think about it. Boaz, Rahab, from Jericho, a Gentile. You have Ruth, a Moabite, a Gentile. And you see that God is at work and God's plan is unfolding and God is working in all things through this for redemption because 
true redemption we know comes through Jesus the Christ. So let's wind it up. The unnamed relative, and he is unnamed, he was selfish. In verse 6 of chapter 4, he says, I can't redeem it for myself. It had jeopardized my own inheritance, my plan, as I mentioned. And so he was selfish, and I'm not going to go into it. I've said it a number of times from this pulpit that the, the world wants us to be selfish, wants us to look and say, it's about me. And Jesus says, no, it's not about you. It's about me, and you place me first in all things. You can't have it both ways. You can't straddle the fence. Just happen to go to Revelation and look at the seven churches and get to Laodicea and see if you can straddle the fence and what happens. You can't. You can't have it both ways. Selfishness in this world is going to bring you heartache. Selflessness will bring you peace, even in the midst of a broken world. And then we see Ruth, who is redeemed. And, and here is this girl from a culture that is, is one that worships false idols. In fact, they actually sacrifice young kids, their children, to these false gods. How in the world could, could you even imagine that? And here is this young girl who comes with Naomi, and she comes back to a land that she's not familiar with, but she sees Yahweh, she sees Jehovah God that Naomi loves, she feels this presence of God in her, and God is accepting her. God is redeeming her. Boaz accepts her. Boaz is redeeming her. She is no longer on the outside. And in fact, as we said, she brings about a child who the is in the line of Jesus, the Messiah. Ruth has been redeemed. She is a part of the family of God. But I said that there was going to be um, five people that I was going to mention in this text, but I've only talked about four. The, the other person in this text is not mentioned by name. The, the other person in this text, I've been talking about all the way through, but he's not mentioned in the text by name. And that is Jesus. Paul says in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jump to Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have, there's that word, redemption through his blood. For the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. This is who Jesus is. He is the true redeemer. If there is anybody sitting in this place today or anybody that is watching online that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, don't procrastinate and wait. Surrender to him. And if you confess your sins and you believe that he is Lord 
will be Lord over your life. He will come to you and he will save you. He will redeem you. Don't wait. It will be the greatest thing that will ever happen to you in your life is to become a child of God. But for those of us that believe, and I'm talking and pointing to myself, for those of us that believe, that have been redeemed, the question is, are you satisfied? So wait a minute. Well, let me pose it a different way. Is Jesus satisfied with how you're living your life? And if he's not, then are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with your devotional time? Are you satisfied with your attention to worship? Are you satisfied with how you give back to God? Are you satisfied with how you are using your spiritual gifts for God? But I, because I will tell you that if God is not satisfied with how you are living that out, your spirit will be unrestful or will not be at rest. And it's going to be hard to live in a broken world when God is not satisfied with the way you are living your life. And you shouldn't be satisfied either, nor should I. Living in this broken world through our redemption, righteously, is the way God is calling us to live. This is the greatest thing, as I said, that could ever happen to me, ever happen to you. Everything else, any other word we would use would be pale to uh, comparison in what Christ has done. And every day, every day, we ought to give thanks. And every day, we should live into our redemption. And every day, God is calling others to himself. As we looked at last week, is how do we as a church live into sharing that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. I hope that you're ready to go, church. It is the greatest message ever to be told. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for... Um, allowing us, Father, to not only to read it and preach it and study it and um, just um, delve into what you have said and, and how Christ is our Redeemer. But, Father, may we live into that redemption. Through redemption, Father, may we share the good news of the story of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Father, I pray it would be so. Because this world is lost and it is broken. And we want to live well in this broken world. And by doing so, we do that in carrying the gospel out to others. And we'll look for the power and the grace and the mercy that you offer through your Holy Spirit as we do that. As you lead us to share. Thank you, Father. For the redemption that is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
in whose name we pray. Amen.